chapter 14 as we're continuing through uh, in the series All In For Him. And this chapter is a chapter in which David is uh, committing to give and to sacrifice to build the temple for the Lord, <coughs> his palace, his house. <coughs> and today, as we're going through this, we find ourselves in verse number 14. Read along with me. 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verse number 14. You remember last week, or last time that we were here uh, upon this subject, we had uh, uh, Mother's Day, and then we had a revival last week, which, by the way, it went really well at Silverwood. Uh, those have, who have prayed, and I ask you to pray for the teenagers and for the adults that were going down there. Uh, there was, uh, oh, I don't know, with, a, with trying to get a, a count at the end there of how many were saved, it was probably about 10, uh, counted about six or seven in the service, and then several came to me afterwards and led one or a couple of their teenagers of the youth groups. Uh, there was, I believe, 39 churches that participated. Uh, the, the number was about 400. Well, there, actually, there was a bus that, that broke down on the way. That's <laughs> a shame. But uh, 42 kids weren't, weren't able to go because they were stuck on the side of the road somewhere, and uh, so they had to go back home. But, but overall, the activity went really well, and uh, only one uh, gal broke her arm, and uh, I think she was okay. Did anybody hear about how she was doing? Okay. All right. Uh, her dad was there and took her to the, it was, it was wet, and uh, it was not on a ride, or she didn't fall off a roller coaster. It was after the ride was done, she slipped and fell and broke her arm. Anyway, so, uh, but outside of that, uh, everything went really well, and, and uh, Brother Hightower was in just superb form and had the attention of the teenagers and it just went so well it just went so well thank you for praying everything went really well anyway that was last week with the revival and brother hightower here the week before that so there was several weeks since we've been here uh but we when we left off with uh, this passage of scripture we were also in verse number 14 as david asked the question who am i and what is my people who am i what is man that thou are mindful of him, and we consider that. But let's go on in this passage of Scripture and kind of take a, uh, a few more thoughts here from verse 14. But who am I, and what is my people, David said, that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? For all things come of thee, and of thine own have we given thee. He says, it's all yours, Lord. Anything that we offer, it's, it's from your store, it's from your goodness, it's from your providence. We don't have anything our, ourselves. It's everything we have is from you. Everything's yours. And he says, the things that we've given you, they come from you. Verse 15. For we are strangers before thee, and sojourners as were all our fathers. Our days on the earth are as a shadow, and there is none abiding. O Lord our God, all this store that we have prepared to build thee in house for thine holy name cometh of thine hand, and is all thine own. I know also, my God, that thou triest the heart and hast pleasure in uprightness. As for me, in the uprightness of my heart, have I willingly offered all these things. And now have I seen with joy thy people, which are present here, to offer willingly unto thee. Talking about this offering, this sacrifice, and this morning, the, the topic is the right way to give, the right way to offer, the right way to sacrifice for the Lord, the right way to give. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord, for your word. I pray that this morning you'd make it pertinent to each one that's here. Lord, I pray that you'd uh, uh, bring your word to hearts, and Lord, uh, allow there to be no distractions, but we consider what you have to say about us, our condition with you, and our offerings that are given for you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> I remember speaking to a believer once who brazenly stated, and these were his words, he said this, God owes me big time. Boy, have I ever sacrificed for him. And now he owes me a lot. That's about what he said. I mean, those very words. I could hardly believe I'm hearing this from a believer who had that kind of an attitude towards God and the things that he's offered to God or he's given to God. I thought to myself, where is my lightning rod? Get away from this guy. 
because uh, the Lord's going to strike him down here. I don't, you know, if uh, the Lord loses patience with him. Um, talk about the wrong way to give if indeed he did sacrifice. Well, I, I assume he did. Yeah, I'm sure he did, but his accounting was all out of whack. It was offering to God and having a, a really bad attitude about what he's given to God. Unlike David in the passage of Scripture, unlike a saint that is walking with God, there are several biblical examples of men sacrificing to God, and many of those examples are wrong. They're, they're offering some up to, something up to the Lord in a lame or an improper way. Sometimes garnering, garnering wrath and acceptance and goodwill from God. Some people offer much to the Lord thinking that they're going to be rewarded by their sacrifice or their labors or their prayers or their deprivation only to incur the wrath of the Father. Now let's take a look at some ways people get it wrong. I know many, many sermons, what I'll try to do is I'll try to address believers and unbelievers alike. In a Sunday morning congregation, I mean, you have members here at this church that are many, many claim to be believers. I know the Lord, I've been walking with Him, and I need help on, on my walk with Him and how, to, how I can uh, live before Him, how I can give, how I can uh, serve, honor the Lord in the, in the right way. And then on Sunday morning, there are many times visitors and sometimes people that don't know the Lord, and they're here, and they're here as friends and uh, uh, friends of family, or, or maybe they're church members that have never been saved. And so on Sunday mornings, I'll try to give uh, some words to the lost, to those who don't know the Lord. Maybe they don't know the first thing about giving, and they, like me, offered in the wrong way before I was saved. And so there's going to be words that will be towards believers and unbelievers alike, and many times I'll deal with the believers first and then end up with unbelievers and an appeal. This morning I'm going to be dealing with those that need to be born again, need to be saved. You're not saved, but might not know how to offer unto the Lord. Maybe offering wrongly. Maybe you got a good intention, but you're offering wrongly. So that's what I'm going to be dealing with first, and then I'm going to be getting to believers. Okay, so, so that's how we're going to be dealing with this today. Let's take a look at some ways that people get it wrong when they... Try to offer something to God, to give or sacrifice, bring an offering to the Lord. They're getting it wrong. First of all, I want to take a look at what the Bible says about those who offer long or boring or repetitive prayers. There's many uh, religions that talk about uh, or that practice uh, formulas, words, prayers that are really not prayers. Prayer is asking and receiving. That's what prayer is. But they have some kind of an idea that if you say these words in this uh, uh, sentence or in this order, then it's offering some kind of uh, uh, prayer to God and you get some goodwill for, from, from that. This is what Jesus said about that in Matthew chapter 6, verse 7. But when you pray, use not vain repetitions. You know, over and over and over and over and over again. I remember, now this was just me, but I remember in my uh, view of Christianity before, you know, before I ever knew the Lord, and I was taught to pray that way, um, and we're to pray many times. We, we go and uh, ask forgiveness from a priest or whatever, and they would say, okay, this is what you do. You say five Our Fathers and ten Hail Marys and whatever. And so if I'm going to say ten Hail Marys, it's, Hail Mary, uh, let's see, how does it go? Hail Mary, full of grace, Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. I, I could go through the whole thing. But since I'm saying it ten times, I'll go, Hail Mary, full of grace, Hail Mary, full of grace, Hail Mary, full of grace, Hail Mary, full of grace. Say it ten times, and then go on and say the next phrase. At least you get it all in, you know what I mean? It's, and <laughs> No, hey, I'm serious. This is the way I was, I was thinking. You know what Jesus called that? Vain repetition. It's vain repetition. And he said, when you pray, don't do this. Don't use vain repetitions as the heathen do for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking many people that offer prayers i mean on and on and on and on hours and hours of prayers and and they they tie them to trees and they offer prayers in this way or that way or you know five times a day or many times a day what they'll do is they'll offer many many prayers and they're the same thing the same words and uh much much speaking 
says, Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things you have need of before you ask him. In this category would be those who would offer these kinds of prayers that are just hard and difficult. You've got to put everything off to the side. This is a spiritual activity. So, you know, you're supposed to do this and we'll, we'll, we'll garner some, some merit with God, some spiritual brownie points, like going to church. You might be here because somebody's asked you, somebody else loves the Lord, and they want to be here, and man, they're here all the time, whatever, and, and they're inviting you, and you say, okay, 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 I'll go. And you go, and it's like, okay, I'll go to, you know, in church. That's the way I, I looked at church prior to ever being saved was, hey, you got to put in your time. You know, one day you're going to face God, so you got to put in your time. you just got to do what you got to do to gain some spiritual brownie points. And so it's kind of like church services or saying the rosary or certain kind of prayers or uh, multiple prayers every day or fastings or anything contrary to a physical pleasure. If you go ahead and, and do that and it's hard and it's something that you don't like doing, I thought that making myself go to church surely would garner spiritual brownie points. And Jesus said, nope, you get nothing. Getting nothing from that kind of thing. Some people think that offering to God this kind of, uh, you know, uh, service or, or offering is going to do something. And Jesus was very clear saying, no, no, heathen think that they're going to get something from the, the much speaking in them. All of the time that they put into that, get nothing. How about those who look at celibacy or deprivation of divine allowances? God's given us some things to enjoy, uh, pleasures of life, and they say, hey, to become super spiritual, that we're in the flesh, so to become super spiritual, you, you uh, uh, forbid these things that God has given, like the relationship of a husband and wife. And there are those who commit themselves to celibacy. Uh, the, the whole, the, the, uh, their entire time, they're going to be single, and they're giving that to God. This is what the Bible says about that. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1. Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times, and by the way, folks, we're right there, smack dab in the middle of the latter times. I don't know when Jesus is coming, but I kind of think it's going to be very soon. I really do. But anyway, he says this is what it's going to be like in the latter times. In the latter times, some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, speaking lies in hypocrisy. Now you understand what he's saying here is, uh, the, these teachings that are demonic teachings, they're lies. They're, they're not the truth connected to God's truth. They're absolutely contrary to what God says is good and right and true. It's lies. And, and uh, he says uh, they are speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry. When there, are, there are religions that say, okay, if you were going to uh, uh, fulfill some kind of a... Um, uh, uh, Commitment to God, you're, you're, you're going to remain unmarried. That's not biblical. There are people that do that, and that's the doctrines of devils. That's lies. That's contrary to the truth of God or what God is, has intended. It says these forbidding to marry and sometimes commanding to abstain from meats, which God hath created to be received with thanksgiving of them which believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good and nothing to be refused if it be received with thanksgiving. God says, listen, I've given you certain things to enjoy, to, to uh, uh, pleasures or fulfillments. He's given you desires and a fulfillment of that desire. Aren't you glad that God has given you taste buds? I was at Wolf Lodge this last week. Oh, my goodness. Ah! I don't want to talk about that, but it was, it was so good. I was like, I was in heaven eating this <laughs> medium rare stamp. Anyway, let's <laughs> go on. But they're, they're things that God has given us for enjoyment, like marriage. Marriage is honorable and all, and the bed undefiled, God says. The Bible says, whoso findeth the wife findeth a good thing. And then men say, no, no, if you really want to be spiritual, then you can't marry. Hey, that's not of God. But you know what the, the attitude is? Well, if I, if I, you know, sacrifice for God, if I just commit and, and deprive myself of some things that God has given me, then I can get favor with God. Wrong. Lies. That's contrary to the word of God. But some people do that. They think that that's going to uh, earn them some kind of grace with God, some kind of forgiveness. No, it doesn't happen. Those are, as the Bible says here, demonic teachings. You think that you become spiritual because of your deprivations? 
God has given you certain things to enjoy, and you say, well, no, I'm going to not enjoy that, and so therefore I will become spiritual. You know, kind of like some people that go into the monastery or whatever, and they, and they give up things. They give up um, whatever. I saw a monk uh, some time ago. This is when there was, the series was going, and, and the, the, the sergeant, can't remember what his name was, he went into the monastery, and he couldn't say anything. You know? <laughs> it was funny. That was, that was, that was funny. It reminds me of... Uh, Brother Francois, who committed his life into this one monastery where they, they couldn't, uh, they didn't have uh, the pleasures of life, it was just the basics, and uh, uh, every year they can only say two words. They couldn't speak, but every year they can only say two words. At the end of the first year, the uh, friar, can't remember what his name was, but anyway, the friar comes to Brother Francois. It says, Brother Francois, you've been a, a wonderful candidate here, and now is the time that you can go ahead and say your two words. Only two words, but this, we're allowing you to say two words. He thought to himself, and thought long and hard, and he said, bed hard. And the friar said, oh, Brother Francois, you've been a, an exemplary uh, uh, member here. Of course we could take care of that. Make sure that his bed is comfortable and, and all. And so and he, he served for another year. The next year came to the time where he could say two more words and he says, Brother Francois, you've done wonderfully. Uh, you have two more words. What would you like to say this year? And he said, food cold. And they said, well, of course we could take care of that. I mean, all the sacrifice that you're giving. Make sure that this man gets uh, you know, hot meals and all of that. The next year they came for his two words, and, and Brother Francois said, I quit. <laughs> and the friar said, doesn't surprise me at all. The only thing you've been doing is complaining ever since you've been here, you know. <laughs> well, anyway, some people, no kidding, folks, some people think that their deprivations will make them more spiritual, and so they're offering to God these things that that's not what God wants. That's not what God has, has asked for. That's wrong. It's wrong. Some people feel as though their pain or if they give some of their wealth or, uh, uh, you know, their, their treasure, then they can get salvation. Then they, could, they can earn uh, heaven by what they give. But the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 15, verse number 8, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. But the prayer of the upright is his delight. The sacrifice of the wicked. Hey, this is somebody who is wicked. Somebody who's not righteous, not following God, rebellious to God. But they're giving something to God. Why would they be giving something to God? Well, because they're, they're, they're trying to uh, uh, earn salvation, to be right with God. They're saying, I tell you what, I know I'm in rebellion and this and that, but I have this or I have that. I have a lot of this. I want to give this to God and maybe that will earn my my salvation, and God looks at that and says, no, no, that's an abomination. <coughs> that, that is disgusting. That's, he gets wrath for that kind of sacrifice. It's not merely offering thanksgiving or showing love or whatever. No, no, this is an offering something to appease the divine wrath because of, the, of personal sin. Uh, this, folks, this is illustrated in religions over the world, but we have it we have it um, uh, first seen in the prime example in your Bible of Cain and Abel. Here's a man that's bartering for the acceptance of God. Folks, any time that you barter with God, any time that you think that you, what you give, your sacrifice, and there's a lot of people that maybe they're, they're uh, very wealthy and they, they want to uh, give uh, some kind of a, uh, endowment or gift, and that will then uh, earn them a place in heaven. And folks, it doesn't work that way. Look at what God said in Genesis chapter 4, verse number 3, about Cain, who tried this. He was the first man who tried to barter with God. And in the process of time, verse number 3, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering, but unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. And Cain was very wroth, and his countenance fell. Now, it's not said here, because you read between the lines, 
God gave them many more words, instructions, than what we have recorded. But as you know, the Old Testament throughout is, is illustrating the coming of the, the Lord Jesus Christ. From, the, from the, the sacrificed lamb to begin with, all the way through, there's the atonement lamb, the, the lamb that would eventually take away the sin of the world, the lamb that the, the Old Testament priests were, were uh, <coughs> instructed to, to slit the lamb's throat and collect the blood, and that blood would, would put off or stave off the, the, the wrath of God. You could avoid the condemnation of God by the blood of this lamb. And then when Jesus came on the scene... You remember John the Baptist's words? First thing in, in the public ministry, Behold, the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. <clears throat> all of that to teach that, listen, God's redemption was all in, in, encapsulated in Jesus Christ who would take away the sin of the world. He was the perfect sacrifice. He was the acceptable offering, the only acceptable offering to God. He did no sin, and what he brought before the Lord was his life and his blood, and he was able to offer that to, to uh, uh, take care of the, the condemnation, the wrath of God uh, on sin. Anything outside of that would be unacceptable. And obviously, Cain knew that. I mean, the way that God talked to, about, to him. But see, Cain, Cain was a gardener. He was a farmer. Uh, Abel, his brother, maybe some kind of a rancher, and he had animals. And so Abel brought a lamb, just like God had instructed, but Cain thought to do it himself. You know what? I'm not going to go that route, and I'm different than my brother, and I just want to be, show myself different. So what he did was he worked hard. And if you ever had, had a garden, you know that it just doesn't come up. There's more weeds, and there's you know you've got to cultivate. You've got to you know uh, uh, put some time, some uh, blood, sweat, and tears, and in, in getting a good good harvest. And he got a good harvest, and he brought all of that, the fruit of the ground, and he presented that before the Lord. But it was not acceptable. It was what he did, not what what pictured the Lamb of God to do. He was trying to barter with God for his acceptance, and God said, no, that's, that's, not, what, that's not what I asked. Cain was given the divine formula for acceptance, but it was rejected when he brought his fruit, his ideas. Paul includes every and any kind of work of the flesh as inadequate in Galatians chapter 3, verse 21. We'll get back to Cain in just a little bit. But this is what Paul said about that in Galatians 3.21. Is the law then against, uh, against the promises of God? God forbid. For if, now notice what he says. If, big word there, two little letters. If there had been a law given which could have given life, fairly righteousness should have been by the law. He said, listen, if God could have given some kind of a requirement, some kind of a, uh, an opportunity for people to do something, to do this, so that they could then uh, get, get acceptance by God, then righteousness, salvation, should have been that way. But you know what? It didn't come that way because it does, there, uh, there is no, no, no law. There is nothing that, that could be given that would, be, that would bring life. There's only one thing, and that's the blood of Christ. It had to be the blood of Christ. Jesus had to die. Do you think if there was another way that God wouldn't have had that way, wouldn't have let us know that that's the way to do it, and, and avoid Jesus having to go to the cross and give his life and his blood for us? If there had been a, a law given which could have given life, then verily righteousness should have been by the law. But that's not the case. But the scripture hath concluded all under sin, that the promise of, by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. He says, listen, it's only by Christ. It had to be by Christ. If there was a way to avoid the cross, then don't you think that God would have had salvation offered to us that way? He goes in verse 24 to say, Wherefore the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. Talking about faith in Christ. It was the schoolmaster, it was the teacher, the law, all the Ten Commandments that shows that you break the law, God's perfection, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt, thou shalt. These commandments that we've all, we've all transgressed, we've all come short, as the Bible says, uh, of the glory of God. Every one of us all have sinned. Every one of us has broken the commandments. That's what the law does. It points us to Christ. Hey, because you're a sinner, because you're a lawbreaker, because you don't make it, because you're a transgressor, you need Christ. And that's what it was pointing to. Cain knew that. But he decided he was going to come a different way. 
He was going to try to try to offer something else. Well, my sincerity or my efforts or my sweat and, and my labor, my focus, my attention. Hey, how about my good works? And he brought the fruit of the, of the ground instead of what God said was going to be accepted that represented Jesus Christ. Didn't work. <clears throat> so there are people that offer to God things that it, it, they don't work. We see that spiritual activities don't even secure righteousness and salvation. Matthew 7, 22. Many will say to me in that day, and Jesus is talking about the judgment day, when everybody will be there, there will be no, no absentees in that, that meeting. In that day, they'll say, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And then thy name have cast out devils? And then thy name done many wonderful works? Hey, folks, these are spiritual activities. They're church activities. And there's going to be those that look at condemnation, and after they've been declared guilty and, and condemned before God because they're sinners, and there's a, wait a minute, have we not done many wonderful, what are many wonderful works? Doesn't matter what it is, fill in the blank. If it's not Jesus Christ, it's any work that you want to put in there. Many wonderful works. Oops, sorry about that. We'll fix that later. And here, what, what he's saying is that there's going to be many that will come and say, wait a minute, have we done these things? And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. You were never born again into the family of God. I never knew you. The works don't do it. Not prayers, not deprivation, not celibacy. No amount of spiritual labors can gain your acceptance to God. No amount of whatever treasure that you have can buy salvation, friend. Don't you understand that? Jesus says in Matthew chapter 16, verse 26, For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Now listen to Jesus' question here. It's very important. You must listen to this. You must consider this. And he says, Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? I'm before the judge, and I'm, I'm condemned, and I'm looking at the lake of fire ahead of me, the condemnation, eternal hell. Now, wait a minute. God, hey, how about this? Or how about that? Or how, hey, and, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Nothing works for that salvation. But there's people that offer, or they try to offer, and they will offer, they will uh, offer their good works. Haven't we done this and that? And... Jesus says no. See, <clears throat> folks, you can't bribe this judge. There are places in the world today that are not right, not righteous, that you can get away with iniquity. Not here. Not in his court. You cannot counterbalance your sin. What will you offer? Let's say, let's say you determine... Now, preacher, I'm not going to get born again. I'm not going to join with these fanatics over here that love the Lord and they're, you know, whatever, they're a scourge of the world. And I'm not going to line up with Jesus and I'm not going to give my heart to him and I'm not going to allow him to be Lord of my life. I'm just going to do my own thing. But you go on in your life, go on, go on, go on, and now face God. And you're not right. Face God and you've never been born again. Face God, and, and all of a sudden you're in your sin, and although it doesn't look that bad right now because you're in a society of sin, everybody around you the same way. I mean, everything's tainted around you. But then all of a sudden your sin will become exceeding sinful. And as your life gets reviewed, which the Bible says that's exactly what will take place, your life will be, it'll, it'll be a, 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 a giant display of this was your life and it'll go from childhood on and where you were responsible, where you chose, where, where you decided, where, where you broke God's laws and broke God's command. You even break, break your own uh, uh, standards. Haven't made it because you're a sinner. I'm a sinner. At that time, at that point, what in the world were you, will you try to exchange for your soul? God, I was in church. Uh, Lord, don't you remember? May 26th, right here on Sunday morning at Wooden Valley Baptist Church, I gave that. It doesn't matter. That's spiritual works. 
That's not going to, that's not good to exchange for your, your salvation. Or prayer or, or whatever. Maybe you memorize Bible. I remember when I was in vacation Bible school and I memorized 20 scriptures, 20 verses. How about that? God, how about that? Uh, does that sound a little bit like where they said, uh, Lord, haven't we prophesied it in thy name? Have we cast out devils? Have we done many wonderful works? Those are good things, folks. How about, I've given to help poor people. I've given to help soldiers. I've given to, um, to uh, help the unfortunate. That sounds like many wonderful works. God, how about that? No, that doesn't work. I've given financial gifts. I wasn't, I wasn't tight-fisted. I was not selfish. I actually gave. Or, you know, maybe, maybe at that point you give your remorse. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. I feel so bad about my sin. You know something, folks? And that's one of the things that we learned when, uh, you guys remember Silverwood, when the, the man went into hell, Luke chapter 16, where Brother Hightower brought out the one thing that he did not have and he wanted, but it wasn't, it wasn't his to have any longer. He says, have mercy upon me. Not there. This is the place you get mercy. This is the time you're alive. You choose. You can, you can choose Jesus Christ. You can be saved. You're not going to, listen, there is no mercy there. <coughs> there is no forgiveness there. There is no pardon there. It's here. It's offered to you today. Um, maybe you've, you've worked in church. Maybe you're on staff. Maybe you're a preacher. How about that? Many wonderful works. Say, oh, preacher, I'm not that much of a religious person, but I'm sincere. Okay, go ahead. Try to exchange sincerity for your soul. It does not work, friend. It does not work. Maybe you really want to please God. You really want to go to heaven. You really, hey, that's desire, but that's not gonna, that's not gonna work. Maybe you've helped believers. You've helped the kingdom of God in many ways. Or prayers, or your efforts. Sacrifice itself. Even the sacrifice of a life. Folks, this morning we're, we're remembering, we're in gratitude and honor of those who made the ultimate sacrifice. And that is, that's the ultimate sacrifice, to give your life for others. John, John 15, 13, that's what Jesus said. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. And that is the ultimate sacrifice a person can give. Yes, we honor the loved ones that we, we remember today who gave the ultimate sacrifice, but even that sacrifice is insufficient to purchase salvation. <gasps> Preacher, did you say that? Yes, listen to what I'm saying. Even that sacrifice is insufficient to purchase your salvation, your pardon before God. Only one lay down his life for sin. Only one uh, was accepted on the cross for the sin of the world, was the sin bearer. Reminds me of the lady who was offered uh, the absolution of sin in her hospital bed as she was dying. A priest came by and said, would you like to be pardoned for your sins? He, he came to pray for her. And she said, sir, let me have your hand. He, he, he held her hand. She took his hand, she moved it like this. And she, has, she looked at it, she says, imposter the one who saved me the one who pardoned me from my sins has nail scars in his hand nobody else folks nobody else can do that and your sacrifice cannot do that see you best not even try to offer whatever tainted currency you have in exchange for your soul pay attention friend listen i'm trying to help you Proverbs 21, 27, we read a, a version of this just earlier. It says, the sacrifice of the wicked is abomination. How much more when he bringeth it with a wicked mind? This is a person that's trying to exchange for, trying to barter with God. Well, God, what about this? I was a father and I sacrificed. I was a mother and I gave my life for my kids. I was this, I was that. Hey, listen, the Bible says the, the sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination. God looks at that and says, and is disgusted. This kind of offer is not only insufficient, it's disgusting, abomination to God. Since there is no other way for, for your redemption, assuming that your worthless bartering could do what only the blood of Christ could do, you'll draw the wrath of God. Folks, at that time, pay attention. This is what Hebrews chapter 10, verse 28 says about that. 
talking about Old Testament judgment. It says, he that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore, he says, how much worse? You know, that was, that was suffering the, the condemnation of your sin. How much worse, how much sore punishment, suppose ye, shall he be thought worthy, who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God, and hath counted the blood of the covenant, wherewith he was sanctified, an unholy thing, and hath done despite unto the Spirit of grace. He says here, he, he said, now wait a minute. Uh, if if you're, you're, you're afraid of this God who's a God of, of justice, and if God is just and he will punish sin, don't you think, hey, listen, don't you think that uh, if, if you take a look at, if you, your attitude toward the blood of the covenant, you know what that means? That's Jesus' blood. The blood that he shed for your sin, for my sin, for the sin of the whole world. The Bible says he gave that blood, and without blood there is, there is no remission. It's only in the blood of Christ. And that's the only place you can be saved. The only place you can be right with God is through the blood of Christ. And you say, I don't need that. I don't want that. I don't need that religion stuff. I don't want to go that way. I'm going to go my own way. Hey, and you're despising the blood of Christ, the blood of the covenant, and done despite to the spirit of grace. You know what that means? That means the spirit of God is speaking to your heart right now saying, listen, the preacher's right. You're a sinner. You know you're a sinner. You know you gotta, you got to get saved. You know you don't want to stand before a holy God in your sin. And you know that Jesus Christ loved you and he died for you. And listen, the Spirit's drawing you. And the Spirit's trying to, and you know, you're saying, who cares? I don't want to go that way. Taking the blood of Christ and, and trumpet and underfoot. I don't want the blood of Christ. I don't want that. And, and, and the Bible says, you better watch out. Because God does not take that sitting down. Look at what he says. It goes on. For we know him. Verse 30, that has said, Vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense, saith the Lord. And again, the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall in to the hands of a living God. Now listen, when you stand before God and he says, I've given everything. I've given my son's blood for you. And you say, don't need that. You're going to face the wrath of a fearful God at that point. Friend. You don't need to go there. Don't offer the wrong gift. The only gift acceptable is the blood of Christ. It's what, you, it's what you need for your soul. You must embrace the salvation that God has given, and it's only the blood of Christ. The price of your salvation was God's ultimate cost. It cost the blood of his son, don't you know? Don't you dare insult him by offering your corrupted, your contaminated counterfeit with a wicked heart and hands. No, no. Just as God's advice to Cain. You remember what he said to Cain? When Cain offered the wrong sacrifice and he was downtrodden and he was, he was dejected because of uh, the rejection, he said, Cain, you got a problem here. If you, if you got sin, if, if, you, if you're not right with God, then he said, sin lieth at the door. And I know that could be looked at like, well, that means you got sin in your heart and there's something in between you. But I believe he was talking more like the sin offering that I told you about. That lamb is right there. You don't have to be re rejected. You don't have to offer the wrong gift. I provided the gift. Jesus Christ has provided. He said it is finished. He paid the entire debt of sin on the cross in full. And it's right there, as God said, sin, the, the offering for sin is right there. It lies at the door. And so if, if you understand what he's saying, uh, the advice to Cain, uh, the offering for sin lies here. It's here. It's available. It's abundant. It's effective. It's offered to you. And listen, folks, God's saying the same thing for you today. You don't have to face me in judgment. You can take my pardon. And it's offered and it's available to you today. You can be saved. Why would you go on and on and on in rejection of God's love for you? That's, a, that's folks, all the time, people are, are trying to exchange, barter f something for their soul. It doesn't work. That's the wrong. You need to be saved. The close of the service, we're going to talk about you being saved and how that we'll take a Bible and open it up and show you how then you can Receive the pardon of Christ, the love of God for you. 
friend, I don't know how to, how to implore or beg any, any, any more effectively, but get saved. Get saved. Okay, now let's look at our, our text here. You remember we started in, in uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 29 from verse number 14. <clears throat> Seeing that there are multiple ways of sacrificing, of offering wrongly, which so many are, are used to doing, what are some factors that will help us, guide us to truly pleasing God? How can we offer right? The first is to accept his offer for you. Of course, to get saved, to get born again. That's what we're talking about. To be pardoned from your sin by the blood of Christ. And then when you're in God's family, and as a believer, that, like in the text where David, he's a believer and he knows the Lord, and, um, we see a proper offering that he gave, a proper offering. Listen, a proper giver is first of all saved, but he's got to understand, number one, God already has what I desire to give him. Isn't that what our text said? Go back to 1 Chronicles chapter 29. Look at verse 14 again. He says, But who am I, and what is my people, that we should be able to offer so willingly after the sword? For all things come of thee, and of thine own have we given thee. He says, God, you got everything. No matter what we could give you, it's yours anyway. Verse 16, he says, O Lord God, all this store that we have prepared to build thee in house for thine holy name cometh of thine hand, and is all thine own. Nothing we can give God is new or that he needs. Nothing is different or not already his. Folks, you got to understand that. When you offer something to God, it's not like he needs what we, we give him. But he does ask for our, our offering. He does ask for our, our sacrifice and labor. He wants that, but it's not. you got to understand, first of all, you got to understand God already has what I desire to give. Number two, my gift must be voluntary. Look what it says in verse 14. But who am I and what is my people that we should be able to offer so willingly after this sort? In verse 17 on in there, he says, I have willingly offered the people that are present here to offer willingly unto thee. It's, it's got to be will, voluntary. God doesn't force our love to him. We're, we're not made robots. Aren't you glad? <laughs> Aren't you glad of that fact? We have a will. It's that will that is valued by God. Folks, you don't have to give anything to God. You don't have to attend church. You don't have to, you don't have to stand for God. Uh, you, you don't have to do any, you don't have to sacrifice to God at all. He loves you, he sacrificed for you, and you don't have to give. But you know what a blessing is? I get to give. That's a, you know what? When you offer to God, you have I'm so glad. I'm so glad God made it to where I can actually give. But it's got to be voluntary. It's not forced. It's just something that God has asked us to do. And you don't, listen, you don't have to, you know, when you're around the, the, the water cooler at your work, and there's some kind of a filthy conversation going on, and, and, and you know that that does, not, that does not bless the Lord, and that is it's shameful for anybody to, to be around that kind of thing. And you, all of a sudden you're in the middle of that. You don't have to stand for God. You don't have to stand out. You don't have to get mud on, on your, on your uh, person with those that will, that will attack you if you stand. You don't have to do that. You can go ahead and slink away like a coward. But you can stand for him. You, you can offer at that time. You can say, you know what, I'm a believer and that stuff's garbage. I'm so glad I've been saved from that. Let me tell you about Jesus. You know, you could do that, but you don't have to. You're not, you're not, you're not forced. You're not forced. Nobody's forced to do that. You don't have to. It's, see, our gift to God today is, must be voluntary and offered in righteousness. Our gift, uh, we've got to understand that God already has what I desire to give, and my gift, gift must be voluntary, but also it's got to be offered in righteousness, or as he says here, uprightness. In 1 Chronicles 17, he says, I know also, my God, that thou triest the heart and hast pleasure in uprightness. As for me, in the uprightness of mine heart, I have willingly offered. This just means that the gift is evaluated by God, not man. It's, it's what God deems important. It's in, in his value system, not, not my value system. It's deemed worthy by God's truth. Our hearts are tuned to God's values, and our, our giving a, a proper uh, giver offers in righteousness, and he offers with joy. 
the last point. First Chronicles 29, 17, he says, And now have I seen with joy thy people, which are present here, to offer willingly unto thee. When a person gives properly to the Lord, it's giving with joy, with rejoicing. I get to give. I remember there was a, a time when, and I was in Bible college, and just because you're in Bible college doesn't mean you're right with God. Because <laughs> I was in Bible college, and there was this time where um, we're having a real tough time financially and this and that, and, and my missions offering was what it was and, and all that. And, and what, I was, what I was doing here at this point, um, I, was, I had committed to give something, and, and my offering, I, I, kept, I kept up with it. I could say, yeah, I was faithful giving, but it was like, mm, I gotta give this every week. Mm, I gotta give this. And it was just, mm, it, was a, it, was not a, it was not a joy. Folks, there was something wrong. You know, it's kind of like the canary in the cage when the, when the miners go down, if there's some toxic uh, uh, fumes down there, before they even, uh, even sensed anything, the canary died, stopped singing. And you know, you know what the canary is in our lives, Christian? It's joy. And if the joy's not there, something's wrong. You know what? That, that brought me to the place, because I remember having a bad attitude of giving that way. You know, I was giving, but it was, it was hard. It wasn't joyful. It was painful. And, you know, God used that in my life to help me to realize, you know, something's wrong here. I got, there's something not right. You know why? Because it says, I, I have seen with joy thy people that offer. With joy. When a gift is offered properly, rejoicing will accompany it. 2 Corinthians 9, 7, Every man, according as he has purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly. You know, that was the way I was giving. Yeah, yeah, I gotta give. <laughs> giving grudging. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. The word cheerful there is hilarious, which we get the, we get the word hilarious. It was hilarious giving. <laughs> I get to give. And you know what? He says, God loves that. God loves that when we, when we offer to him. It's totally voluntary. And you know what? I can. I can do that. And when I give, if it's in the right way, the right heart attitude, I give with joy. I offer with joy. So what, what I'm going to ask you to do here this morning, we'll close in here. Believer, you don't have to offer anything. But you know what? If God's dealing with you about Maybe the time that you serve him and you're kind of stingy with that. Or he asks you to be in church whenever the church is open, you know, whenever uh, God's people meet. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as a manner of some is, even back in, in Paul's day. Hey, don't, don't forsake being in church like some people get out of church. You know, there's church... In a few hours, when I have Sunday night, because it's the Lord's day, it's not just the Lord's morning. <laughs> it's the Lord's day. It's six o'clock. We have church tonight. Wow, how about that? Uh, we we got church Wednesday night. Hey, and you're there. This last week, we had such a great time with the revival on every night of the week. But there was sixty or seventy people every night that were not here. Why? Well, because they have you know some kind of a program that they wanted to watch, or maybe something else is going on, or maybe this or that, the priorities are wherever they are. You know what? You don't have to, you don't have to, you don't have to give God your time, your calendar, and say, God, I want you to have priority. But I'm going to ask you this morning, I don't have my, my phone with me because it's, I try not to keep it on the pulpit, but if that's where your calendar is, you come to the altar with your, with your phone and you lay it before the Lord and say, Lord, I'm giving you my calendar. I'm giving you my life. I want you to have this. You know what? You're, I don't have to. But you know what? I want to give this. I want to give you priority in my life. Maybe, maybe there is some kind of a career that be, has become an idol. You can give that to the Lord. You know that? Or you could be the best in your field that you can be and give that to the Lord. Maybe what you can, and you don't have to, listen, you don't have to, it's voluntary, but you can give your kids to the Lord. You know what I've seen? I've seen people get out of church because they're not serving God where, as they should because they're so worried about their kids, 
so worried about their kids getting the proper sleep for class in the morning or whatever that they don't, they're not in church or they don't want to put their kid in the nursery because of germs, you know. Hey, listen, there's germs everywhere. You know, you just, just get with it. It's going to, you know, after you have six or seven or eight kids, then all of a sudden it doesn't, you know. But, you know, I've seen that, I've seen that before where, where people put their kids before the Lord and because of that, their kids are everything, not the Lord. You know what you can do? You can offer your kids. You can offer your kids. You know, when we have invitation time, you can go down here and say, well, Lord, my kid's in a nursery or whatever, but I'm going to give you my kids. I want you to have my kids. I don't want that. I want, I want you. And, and you know what? He doesn't force you to do that. It's voluntary. And you can offer it with joy. How about your entertainment? Wow. You know, I, one of the reasons why, why we have such mealy mouth, weak need. Milk toast Christianity nowadays is because the entertainment that we allow in our lives. It's, un, it's unbelievable. I don't even want to know about it. I don't want to hear about it. But you know what? God's speaking to your heart about what you allow, and you could bring that down to the altar. And you say, God, I value you and, and your purity and your kingdom more than that. I'm going to offer this. You don't have to, but you can. Whatever sin that you're dealing with, Maybe it's some kind of rebellion. Maybe it is that iPhone. Maybe bring it to the Lord and say, Lord, there's some things that I've seen and I'm, uh, I go to sites on, on this that's not right. I know it's not right. It's, it's a, a drain on the power of God in my life and I'm giving that. Maybe it'd be a good idea for you to go to, from a smartphone to a dumb phone, huh? Or maybe it just it takes you to say, Lord, you know what? And, and let, let me tell you something, believer. You don't have to. You don't have to. You know what David realized? A proper giver, first of all, is saved. They know the Lord. But they understand that God already has what I desire to give. My gift must be voluntary. It's got to be offered in righteousness. His values, not mine. And offered with joy. I want to give to the Lord. You're going to clear me off the spot right now. I'm going to give to the Lord right now. I'm going to offer with joy. How about you? Friend, if you're here and you've never been saved, you don't know what it means to be pardoned, you need to get pardoned. Listen, that's first. I don't want you to, like others that would just come and kneel, I want you to come, get me by the hand, or we'll, we'll take uh, someone to, to take you right back here and show you what the Bible says, how you can be saved today. You can receive his pardon today. Don't be offering the wrong kind of gift, okay? Have heads bowed.